Hey, welcome back to another episode of Open for Business. Today, we're talking to Jordan Shelton, who is the founder and director of Cave Social. Jordan is a well-known entrepreneur, speaker, and social media marketer based in the US. Now in LA, Jordan and his team of marketers, creators, and designers come together to create powerful content and social media marketing for local and national businesses. In this episode, we're going to talk to Jordan about his backstory, how he started Cave Social and built it to the company that it is today. We're also going to talk about resetting company culture, why that's important, and dealing with the imposter syndrome. And we're also going to get uh, Jordan's feedback on his non-negotiables. What are the things that he needs to do every day to help him be successful? So that's it. Let's jump into the show. All right, uh, Jordan Shelton from Cave Social. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Mate, it's, uh, it, it's, I'm, I'm in a bit of an uh, international podcast uh, uh, stream at the moment, mate. I had, uh, I had a podcast yesterday uh, with some people from, uh, from Florida um, and, uh, and now we're talking to yourself from LA, mate. So it's good. It's good. How's things? Yeah, no, things are, things are good. I'm glad to be on the podcast and I'm, I'm also Canadian. So if that adds to the international flair, oh, there we go. Yeah, exactly. no, then I'm, all, I'm here for it. That's it. That's it. Beautiful. Love it. Mate, uh, we've, we've known each other uh, through social media for, uh, for a little while now and that's been great. So it's been good to uh, finally catch up and talk uh, face-to-face um, and uh, really excited to have you on the show because uh, there's lots of value that uh, someone in your position is going to be able to offer the audience. Um, and you know, we, we do love our marketing here on the podcast. So um, it's, uh, it's great to have you on, mate. To, uh, to give everybody a little bit of uh, background, um, do you mind just sharing your sort of backstory and um, you know, how you built your business in Cave Social? Yeah, for sure. So uh, 2012, I am finishing up university and uh, I'm sitting there and I actually decided with one of the guys I played on my college football team to start a blog. So we started this blog and not really knowing what we're doing. So we're just experimenting, trying things out, you know, trying to build readership to this, this website. And uh, lo and behold, we go and get this idea for a story. That story ends up taking off. And it took us four months to put together the story. It ended up on the front page of Reddit, in ESPN, Sports Illustrated. We were getting national news coverage uh, in Canada and it just started clicking, you know, and this story was on the Florida Panthers, which is a hockey team uh, in in Florida. And anyways, we do this thing, we get the story and I don't think anything of it. And my aunt who was in PR was like, do you know what that exposure is worth? And I was like, I don't know. And she's like, that exposure for the brand would have been worth upwards of 250,000. And I'm sitting there, I'm, you know, 23 years old and I'm like, pardon me. Uh, and it just started going ding, 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 ding. Okay. Yeah. We need to, we need to storytell and, and do this for brands. That was at the, the time too, when HubSpot really started promoting content marketing and putting out a lot of content around education. And I looked at it and I said, okay, what's a field I can get into where I don't have to wait 40 years to be the expert. You know, if I wanted to go to law, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm starting at the bottom of the totem pole and experience, experience is going to be worth a lot. Those people who have been in the law firm for 30, 40 years, they're going to know more. They're going to be better than me. But I figured, okay, where is somewhere I can go where I have the advantage? And I was obviously the internet. Then I looked at it and said, SEO, social media content. Okay. I've been on this longer than anybody else. We were, 
you know, I was on Facebook when it was solely universities that could be on it. So That's that awesome. to me started going, okay, this is where we need to be. Uh, and we can help brands out with this. Facebook was just launching its ad platform. Um, so it was kind of this perfect storm. And uh, we had somebody reach out and said, hey, I saw what you did with that, that story. Would you be able to create content and help us out and get some exposure? It was a moving company. Uh, and we said, yeah, sure. Not knowing what we were doing. Uh, and that one moving company led to three moving companies that led to real estate companies that really just let us grow and grow and grow. And that company's still with us today. So we still do their marketing, you know, seven and a half years later. So that's uh, so good. Yeah. And then, mm. so we were in Canada. Um, we had a client that was in the States. So I was flying down the States all the time. And then about in 2014, so it was two years in, it was kind of like, all right, I'm done living at the Best Western Hotel. Let's let's set up an office and uh, did that. Uh, set up the office, grew the business in the States, had our other the agency still running in Canada. Um, we did that up until the beginning of last year. And then I went forward and actually bought out, partners wanted to go different paths. So I bought out our business partners. Um, yeah, and it was kind of like, okay, a little bit of a reset there, you know, going from having several business partners to now being the solo part uh, owner and kind of concentrating things in Los Angeles. Um, yeah, and then that's kind of, you know, where we're at now, running the agency and um, re resetting and, you know, kind of yeah. going a new path. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I love that. I love that. I I just wanted to go back with the story that you were writing on the Panthers. What was the, like, what was the framing around it? What was it about? Like, what was it that made it worth 250K? Yeah. So what happened was uh, the Florida Panthers put out this thing and they said it's $150 for season tickets, right? Okay. Uh, is like a marketing ploy. Now, to put that in perspective, right? That is, uh, I'm in Canada and to get season tickets to a hockey team, is like being in Los Angeles and getting season tickets to the Lakers or yeah. being in Manchester and getting season, getting season tickets to Man U, right? It's like, it's, you don't do it. You can't yeah. do it. They're, yeah. they're reserved. So I said, okay, this is going to be the only time as a hockey fan, I'll be a season ticket holder, even yeah. though it was thousands of miles away. Yeah. So we bought the tickets, immediately got on social, started demanding trades, uh, documented it all. We gave away the tickets, just said, if you go to the games, take a selfie. Um, and then yeah. when we're, when we're doing this on social and we're documenting it, the team actually caught wind of it and said, Hey, come down to a game. So we went oh. down to a game, met the owner, was in the owner's box, That's like awesome. the whole nine yards. And then we came back and we wrote a story and said, yeah. here, you know, here was our experience as a, a season hold a season ticket holder with the Florida Panthers. Yeah. And it just took off uh, in the sports world because it was, you know, awesome. uh, a little out there. I love that. I love that. That's beautiful, mate. So um, you now uh, got, yeah, based in LA, as you mentioned, um, what, what sort of, how many people have we got on the team? What are we looking at these days? Yeah. So we're looking at five full time. Um, yeah. And then we use, uh, we use a lot of contractors too. Yeah. Um, but consistent contractors, videographers, or, mm. um, mm. you know, people that we need that are highly specialized for one-off projects. Yep. Um, so with that, and then we got a partner, we have a partner uh, agency, which is a web development agency for, you know, awesome. any big projects. Yeah, yeah cool. but it, it's more of the five, five rocking and rolling. 
Awesome. And you guys are a predominantly you know, a social media agency. It's, it's very heavy on the, the content side of things, driving social media. Yeah. I mean, our, our big thing is creating original content for social awesome. and then also running ad campaigns uh, and, yeah. and managing paid social. Yeah. But, uh, and then I do personally, the business doesn't, well, the business bills it, but I do a lot of SEO consulting as well under the business. Yeah. Uh, yep. But it's definitely not something that we scale. It's like I do it, mm. and uh, yep. so I'm trying to, you know, kind of get rid of that. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, makes sense, makes sense, mate. I'd love to get your perspective on you know the current state of marketing. I mean, like it's a pretty loaded question at the moment with the pandemic and everything that's going on. But you know, for someone uh, like it, it's always. Australia is always kind of like 12 to 18 months behind the US, right? So it, it's always good to be like looking uh, ahead or looking up to the US, see what, you know, the latest things that are trending, all that sort of stuff. So just keen, you know, just, just broadly, where do you think, you know, marketing is at at the moment? Do you think that the pandemic has kind of forced everybody online? So it's just going to be, you know, a, a massive thing over the next couple of years that everyone's trying to scramble online where do you think everything's sort of at? Yeah. So I, I think things were moving online. This just sped it up mm. uh, 100%. And, you know, people who were maybe sticking to their guns and were spending more on traditional media are now realizing like, oh, I need to do this. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of marketing as a whole, I think there's a, a, I think right now the industry, there's a lot of companies uh, that are chasing narratives and chasing trends and are straying from their own principles and mm -hmm. quite frankly are kind of full of shit and yeah. people see through it and they're putting out pandemic relief, this and that when they're not really doing anything. Yeah. Um, so I think the consumer sees through that. I do. I see through it. I'm like, yeah, okay. This yeah. you're manipulating, you're emotionally manipulating the consumer, mm. uh, and the consumer picks up on it, you know? Yeah. So I, um, I think there's a lot of that. I think there's uh, one of the things with marketing is there are a lot of people who, uh, if you talk to 20 marketers, you're going to get 20 responses on what you should do. So I think the other thing that people right now in general are getting too platform happy. So they're chasing yep. shiny objects. Being yep. on a platform is not a strategy. Yep. Like just, I have a TikTok is not a strategy. Mm. Um, and marketing as a whole, I think we have this tendency to jump on and be like, what are the kids using? And I'm like, okay, cool. We should pay attention. However, I use different websites when I was 14 than I do at, you know, 32. I wasn't reading the New York times at 30 at, at 14. Mm -hmm. I read it at 32. And mm -hmm. so I don't want to predicate my entire company's, you know, behavior and the way we market solely based on the behavior of, you know, the next generation, I want to, I want to anticipate and look and see what they're doing and see how older generations start to interact. Yep. But uh, I don't think solely being on, I think there's too much right now, shiny object. Hey, you need to be here. Similar to Snapchat, like four or five years ago, everyone's like, if you're not on Snapchat, yeah. your brand's going to die. I'm like, yeah. okay, I think Apple's. Certainly on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 No. And, and that's a really good point. Like, cause you know, the, the omnipresence word, right, is, is bandied around so much these days. Like, you know, you need to be on every platform. Uh, and, you know, in a lot of cases, it's not realistic for brands, uh, depending on their size. Uh, but again, it just comes back to like, where is your audience, right? You know, it, it's not necessarily on every single platform. So 
like you said, you can talk to 20 different marketers and get 20 different responses. So it's, um, yeah, it's making sure that you're just doing your due diligence and doing the best thing for your brand. Hey, hundred percent biting off what you can chew, right? Mm. Because sure you sign up for all these things, but if, if you go to a brand's Twitter and they're not active and yeah. you're going to be like, are they still around? You yeah. know, and especially yeah. at a local business level where yes. say it's a local law firm, right? Mm. And if I mm. go to their Twitter and they haven't tweeted since 2016, I'm going to be like, okay, next. Where they're better off not to have the account. It's counterintuitive, yeah. but they're truly better off not to have the account. Yeah, 100%. Totally agree with that. Totally agree with that, mate. We, um, we had a bit of a discussion before we started recording around, you know, the, the types of topics that we wanted to, uh, to talk about today. And one that you threw up was resetting culture. So I'd love to dive into that uh, and, and what you mean by that. Just uh, give us the lowdown on that. Yeah, I, I think a couple of things. Um, I think culture is so important right now for two reasons. One, uh, being in the pandemic and how that's affected everyone. Yeah. Uh, two, going remote. Um, and then mm-hmm. particularly with me having to, you know, buying out business partners, it was kind of like this trifecta of like, okay, there's a new, you know, it's kind of a time to turn over a new leaf. But I think resetting culture um, is something that can come down to, it really is your people. But if you don't get rid of the bad apples, or if you don't, you know, I've probably waited too long a couple times to, um, to let go of people. And yeah. quite frankly, yeah. and you know, there's been some toxic environments that behind closed doors, uh, people don't necessarily haven't seen, right? Mm-hmm. But it's like, okay, so resetting that culture and saying, okay, we're going to get rid, you know, we're gonna let this person, we're gonna l- let them go, and then come in with new communication that's like, hey, here's how we're gonna operate moving forward, and I have to set the example as a CEO, and things like if I'm going to give critical feedback, I have to be the first person willing to take the critical feedback and mm-hmm. really push for it. You know, too many times in myself when I was in meetings before, everyone was just agreeing with what I was saying. And I was like, okay, that's not, that means I broke something. If everyone is agreeing with me, that means I set up a system where people don't feel like, you know, they can actually give yeah. critical feedback. Mm-hmm. So that, that was a giant learning for me. Um, and then I, uh, just with regards to the pandemic and working remotely, the need for crystal clear communication and clear directives has never, you know, you can't just tap someone on the shoulder and say, Hey, where's that at? How are we doing? I'm like, okay, I need this image to look like, like I have become way better with my instruction and because of this. So So that, that falls into culture as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so funny that you mentioned that like literally the the last couple of days we've been working through uh, this one particular project where it has been very labor intensive on the design and the graphic side of things. And you're right. If if you aren't communicating clearly and if everybody's not on the same page, it really makes things difficult. So there's, yeah, it's it's a silver lining, isn't it? Of, uh, of being able to work remotely and just improving your overall communication and uh, you know, the way you work with your team. 100%. 100%. It was something I didn't necessarily expect when this all happened. I mean, nobody could ex- knew what was going to happen. But, mm. you know, looking back over the last 90 days, it's definitely been something where I'm like, oh, that's a new system I'm going to, you know, maintain. Yeah, yeah, 100%. We were also, also talking to uh, a couple of people on another podcast recently around when it comes to, to culture and your team, making sure that, you know, you, you are investing in, in your team, right? And you always want to be 
because we were talking about, you know, there's always the risk of a, a staff member or a team member leaving, right? Uh, and whether they just leave to go work somewhere else or whether they leave, they've got the entrepreneurial spirit and they want to do their own thing. Um, you know, just managing that because obviously there's time and there's investment and all that sort of stuff. But we were just talking about how regardless of what happens in the future, you want the people in your team to be able to perform at the highest level. Therefore, you have to invest in it and whatever happens, happens. And at the end of the day, you kind of want to support your team with whatever decision that they make. So um, where do you stand on that? Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I think that everyone, I think business owners get, their egos get so uh, inflated mm. and think that people need to be loyal to them forever. My employees don't need to be loyal to me. They need yeah. to do what's best for them. Yeah. And hopefully I can provide an environment that is best for them. But if I can't, or they have an opportunity to, you know, get a 30% raise down the road, they should take it. They want to start mm. their own business. They should take it. Mm. The amount of ego at some people of like my employee left and this and that I'm like, yeah, well, they, did you cut them in on ownership? Like yeah. what, you know, yeah. they should leave. Yeah. So that yeah. I'm right there with it. I think yeah. like, look, and the other thing, somebody else will come in, learn the procedure, you, you know, we'll be yes. able to do the job. Yes. The whole idea that people are irreplaceable, I'm not like I'm replaceable. Everyone's replaceable. So mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't, uh, yeah, I, I'm right there with that. I, I think that, you know, I support people if they want to go start their own thing or, you know, they're tired yeah. of marketing, whatever. Yeah, exactly. And uh, a big part of, you know, uh, mitigating that risk of someone not being replaceable, you know, if you do have that risk, it's something you need to work on, right? You, you need to have the, the processes and the procedures set up so that, Somebody leaves, somebody else can come in or something happens to that person where they may not actually leave the business, uh, but you know, they're unable to work for a period of time. Like you need all of that sort of stuff in your business so that somebody else can come in and fill that role without it being, you know, an absolute nightmare. So um, yeah, that's a massive thing that we're working on here at the moment is just our processes and procedures. And you know, it also creates a much better working environment for your team because there's this structure and there's direction and, you know, it, it just helps everybody to perform at the, uh, at the best level. So it's an important topic. A hundred percent. If anybody says that they, Oh, we have a lot of tribal knowledge. That to me means, Oh, you don't have procedures. Mm, mm. <laughs> like, yeah, it's true. And I'm, I, I'm, don't get me wrong. I, don't have it all ironed out if you're listening to this like i'm continually looking at like how can i build an operating procedure for this and mm. you know for the, this facet of the business for this facet this facet yeah. um and i think a, that'll be a continual process you know as long yeah. as i'm in business exactly exactly mate switching gears slightly uh dealing with imposter syndrome talk to me about that yeah, this is something that uh, I've written about for Inc. I've talked about on entrepreneur.com. I am very passionate about it mm. uh, because I don't care if it's in work, if it's at the gym, if it's doing anything, self-improvement. Uh, imposter syndrome is something that everybody gets, myself included. And um, I, I think that it's, I think one is it's so important for as a business owner when you're there and everyone's looking for you, looking at you for the answers and you're in your heart, like, I don't know what to do. And then you have these questions of like, am I qualified? I didn't go to get a business degree. And mm. like, uh, I didn't grow up in an entrepreneurial family or all of these scripts and narratives that we tell ourselves. Right. Mm, mm. Well, the thing that, I mean, I want to share with the listeners at least is I've sat at tables with Fortune 500 CEOs. And I'll tell you right now, when we go and have lunch after, they're like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. So 
it's the, the human. So, yeah. And the relief that I got from that, you know, especially mm. in my mid twenties, when I was starting, I was doing a lot of traveling, kind of pitching and stuff. Uh, the relief from that was just so huge because now when I get those feelings and that creeps in and I start to, you know, get self doubt, it happens daily. But mm. the difference is now recognizing it and not allowing the self doubt to span on for, you know, 30, 40 an hour, um, snapping myself into like, okay, if I don't know enough, I can learn, I can, I can commit to learning. And um, it's okay that I don't know everything because I do know some stuff. Mm, and yeah. I always equate it to like uh, things that become muscle memory that for all of us, we all have a talent that's muscle memory that we actually think is not a, a learned skill. For instance, I played college football. I can throw a football very far without thinking, right? I literally, without thinking, can go and throw this football. Where other people, it's like, oh, how'd you do this, that? And I'm like, oh, I, and in my head, I'm like, that's, I'm bad at this. Yeah, and then I yeah. go, oh, no, there's, there's 10,000 hours that went into that, yeah, right? Yeah. And there's 6,000, 10,000, whatever, into marketing. Mm -hmm. So, okay, there are some things that I'm doing on a daily that are contributing to success, and I shouldn't feel, you know, like I'm unworthy of that. So yeah. it's a, it's a constant battle, but that's where I wanted to just talk is to let people know, like, look, you're not alone on that. We, I think yeah. we all feel it. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. We all feel it. And I think like <laughs> it's, it's one of those things like mindset and, and sort of uh, self-awareness. It's another buzzword at the moment, but you know, those things are like super important and they're things that, you know, haven't been talked about enough in the past. And, you know, again, like, you know, imposter syndrome is just, it's just a part of that. It's just dealing with your, you know, your human psyche, right? Um, so whether you're a business owner, whether you're a marketer, um, I think a another great tip that I've learned from a mentor of mine is when you do get stuck, whether it's imposter syndrome or it's just something you don't know, um, ask the question, like the question you need to ask is not how, but who, right? So whether it is yourself, like if you need to learn something, who can I learn that from? Or if it's, um, you know, something you don't know how to do, like who can do that for me, right? So, and, you know, again, like you mentioned before, is, uh, you know, removing ego from the situation. We don't know everything. Like you said, Fortune 500 CEOs don't know everything. They're human, okay? So it's about making sure that you've got that level of awareness to, to be proactive about learning or you know, finding someone who can help in that situation, um, and I think that's a great way of dealing with imposter syndrome as well. Yeah. It's just removing the ego. Right. And like when you do that, then your willingness to learn from others or to ch check yourself or whatever, yeah. uh, it, it just becomes so much bigger. So yeah, I, I'm right there with you. And making sure that you don't go, you know, just crashing through walls blindly as well because of that ego. Like it's, you know, don't be afraid to ask for help because that's where you're going to be able to learn. You're going to be able to grow. You're going to be able to solve the problem. Whereas if you just keep going hell for leather, uh, you can start to run into issues. Um, and people, people will see through it too. Yeah, like, exactly. You know, everyone's like, ah, who's this, you know, who's this dude or who's this person who thinks that they're got it all figured out. Like that stuff becomes pretty easy to see, especially mm. when you've been around for a minute. Where do you stand on the fake it till you make it line? I hate that line. <laughs> um, so, okay, I think there's components to it, right? So yeah. one, I don't think you should walk around puffing your chest out, fake it till you make it, but uh, I do think you should have confidence in your ability to learn. Mm. I also think you should have positive self-talk to be like, 
you know, I am an entrepreneur, even if you're only sold the dollar worth of product, I am an entrepreneur. I own my own business. Like when you're talking a lot of business owners when they first start, they're like, Oh, I'm doing this thing on the side. It's a project. And they're afraid to really own and say, Oh, I'm a small business owner. Yeah. Like I own my own business, even if you're selling 10 bucks worth of stuff. So, um, I, I think, you know, fake it till you make it. There's a good notion there is like, look, walk the walk and have the confidence. Um, I don't, but I think people interpret that sometimes as like, put on a show, drive the car you can't afford, Mm. you know, wear the clothes you don't, you can't afford and, and act like you're bigger than you are, which I don't think you should ever do. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. And it's, it's one of those things where for me, um, you know, if you are, claiming to be something you're not or claiming you can do something that you can't then that's where there's an issue with the whole fake it till you make it thing like if you're promising things that you can't deliver on obviously not good but if you're uh you know being proactive and you are learning and you're being transparent about that then you know there's nothing wrong with it so again it just comes back to to doing the work doing the right thing uh, and being a good human in my books 100%. (laughs) Mate, uh, bringing this back to a uh, a more uh, marketing-based level, what sort of things have you guys been doing uh, at Cave Social from a a smaller business level, like a smaller brand level that uh, some of our listeners could relate to? Like what are some of the things that are working well right now um, in like the deliverables that you guys are working on? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, one of the things that, um, like for a client, for instance, that we're working on, um, I'll use that moving company, for example. Yeah. One of the things we did, uh, I said, okay, I want all of your data from last year. You have all of your moves listed, right? I want to see where people moved to and from, and we're going to publish our own study. Mm-hmm. We're going to publish a study based on the thousand, fifteen hundred moves or whatever you did. Um, and then we're going to create a bunch of blog content off of this uh, and really looking at long tail, long tail keywords and blog content around that. Um, it was something that they already had the data. They just weren't using it. So we mm-hmm. said, okay, how can we use this and turn this into stuff where we become the authority and a lot of people will link to it. Yeah. Um, the other thing with regards to like deliverables. So that's one thing. Uh, and then creating that content that's evergreen, um, an evergreen meaning it, it's valuable, you know, a day from now, a year from mm-hmm. now, five years from now, uh, that has been unreal. And then in terms of a small deliverable, it's two things. You got to do a blend of organic and paid. Even if it's a, even if you're spending $5 a day on paid, like mm-hmm. you're just missing out. If you are, yeah. if you're not using paid to vote, to, to amplify your message, you are missing. So I tell people, look, we need to be spending even just a little bit. I'm not saying you need to break the bank, but we have to be spending to amplify because paid is going to get people in the door. Organic's going to keep them there. Mm, so mm. we need to do that. Um, Love that. And, and that's where we've been going a lot and, and looking at. Um, and then lastly, I would say this. Uh, I think a lot of people about five years ago were, were saying, oh, we need to publish, you know, two times a day. You need to publish this and that. I don't prescribe to that. I actually think uh, doing one post a week that's like badass is better than posting every single day. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, leveraging things like building a carousel post on Instagram, for instance, like 
building, doing the PDFs on LinkedIn, those types of things yeah. uh, are going to just perform way better. And it, yeah, they take a lot longer to build. It might take you, it might take eight hours to build one social media post, mm. but if it's great, yeah. then, you know, that becomes what your brand is known for. And you can be a plumbing company. Like you can yeah. be a local coffee shop. You don't have to be this mega brand. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And like, I, I know that a lot of our listeners are in that SME space and, you know, trying to decide what sort of content to create or publish or put out there is, you know, a question that is always coming up for so many of them. So, um, you know, I love the fact that you mentioned with the removal company that, you know, you created blog content from, you know, the work that they were doing, right. Is there any other sort of tips on a general basis that you can give for, for smaller businesses in terms of what sort of content that they could be putting out? hundred percent. So I would bake it down. Uh, all businesses can usually bake down into four content types and awesome. you lean more one on the other. So, uh, the first, uh, is, uh, informative, right? Can you yep. be an educational informative tool on, Hey, this product will solve, you know, X, Y, Z. Do you have a broken thing? Okay. Uh, inspirational or case study. So showing, say you're a gym. Okay, here's what Johnny did at the start of his thing. Here's him at the end. Uh, so inspirational. Then entertainment, entertaining. Is it just purely comedy or something that's really interesting that's related to your in industry? So say, once again, we'll use, uh, say you're a toilet manufacturer, right? I could go and say, here are the top 10 craziest toilets from around the world, or here are the history of toilets. Right, yes. it's entertaining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, then, lastly, is promotion. People get a little too purist, and they don't want to promote their product ever. People need to know what you're doing. So, mm. you you can plot out those four themes, and before you post anything, say, okay, is it one of these four things? Is it a combination? Um, and if you're doing that, one thing I'd recommend is uh, we use like a Google uh, spreadsheet, and we'll tag, we'll color code based on the theme of the message. And I'll look at the calendar and if we have too much of one theme, mm. I go, oh, we're being too entertaining when we actually want to be informative. And it's just, yeah. you know, I'm not going like tallying it. I'm just like, oh, there's a lot of yellow on there. We're yeah. being too, too entertaining yeah. and not informative. So I, yeah, I like to bake it down um, into those four. And don't get me wrong, look, you can build more and more themes and all that. But those are the four that I always find that uh, we come back to. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I really like that. And I also like the fact that you mentioned that, you know, you're better off spending eight hours creating a piece of content that is highly valuable and is going to get lots of engagement. The algorithm is going to pick it up rather than spending eight hours or like an hour every day of the week creating a post that just falls flat. So, yeah. It's, um, it's this thing. It's called disproportionate results, right? So people think that it's linear. So I put in, you know, one hour of work equals, let's say, 10 page views or whatever, yeah. right? Or 10 engagements. Yeah. Well, two hours of work on that content doesn't equal 20 page views. Mm. Two times the work might equal 10 times the results. Mm. Yeah. Right? So if we think about that and say, oh, if I spend two or three times the effort on a piece of content, I could yield 10 to 20 times the result. And that happens over and over again because the, your competitors out there, the majority of them are like, I need, they're playing a volume game. Yeah. And they're not yeah. playing a quality game and that's where you can win. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that, mate. 
Really, really good tips. I want to know, mate, um, just before we wrap things up, what are some of your like non-negotiables or, or your routines? Because for me, you know, being a business owner, being a dad, being a husband, you know, routine is, is super important in order to be able to like get stuff done, right? That's, that's just the way I am. But uh, like what sort of things do you do on a daily basis or do you even have a routine? Like what, sort, what are some of the things that you do? Yeah, so definitely. I, there's a couple things that... Um, one, I'm working out every day, and right now I'm on a kick where it's twice a day. And yep. um, but every day, without I'm a, I'm a runner. I lift weights. I do all that stuff. Awesome. But for me, it's uh, that's my time. Uh, mm. I'm doing that no matter mm. what. Um, the other thing that is a pretty non-negotiable for me is I'm I prioritize sleep. So I'm a sleep yeah. nerd. I yep. have an app. I've been tracking my sleep for the last four years and looking at the notes on, That's okay, awesome. did, did I have a beer? How did that affect my, like, yeah. my sleep, yeah. um, mood, everything? So uh, sleep and exercise. And then there are so many things. I always find that if I can get that early win with exercise, I eat healthy. I commit mm. to writing. Um, the one thing I'll say from a routine standpoint that has really helped me from a, for the business and just life is uh, – I've assigned each day of the week with a purpose. So then that way I don't have to context switch. So on Monday I do uh, meetings and media, right? So I do all my meetings and I build all my media. Tuesday I do all operational work. So Mm. what is operational and procedural for the business? That's all I focus on. Wednesdays I do SEO content. Thursdays I'm doing podcasts and creation of content. And then like Fridays I'm doing our internal content. And I'm just like, okay, Saturdays are no work. Sundays are rest and writing and planning. Mm. And then that way I'm not jumping around and having to flip my brain. Because as a CEO, you have to break down. Like you got like, yeah, you got to file your taxes and stuff. And that's part of the job. So that's been really nice for me to break it into days to be like, okay, here's my operational day. Mm, mm. Yeah, I love it, and that's uh, that's something that I'm very conscious of at the moment too. Is is the fact that you can very easily get caught up, like jumping from different things here, there, and everywhere. And as you said, you know, you're breaking your focus, uh, you know, and it's hard to reset. Um, there was a stat that I saw the other day. Is like it takes on an average, um, you know, an employee 20 minutes to refocus after reading an email, right? So like, you know, if we're constantly diving back into our emails, you're constantly having to reset and get into that nice, you know, deep state uh, and, and flow state with your work. So that's an awesome tip, man. I love it. Yeah, 100%. I'm a big uh, advocate of minimizing interruption. 100%, 100%. Jordan, uh, absolutely awesome chat, mate. There's, uh, there's some real gold in there for, uh, for listeners, especially in that, uh, that SME space when it comes to their marketing. Of course, there is. That is, uh, that is what you do. Where can people find out more about you, mate? Because uh, I'm very aware that you know, around 30 to 40% of our listeners are based in the US. So, uh, so where can people find out more about yourself? Yeah, um, one of two places. One, you can head to uh, cavesocial.com. You can learn all about the company there. Uh, and then if you want to connect with me, I'd recommend doing it on Twitter. It's just at Jordan Shelton. It's a little, my last name's a little confusing, but you'll find me if you type it in. Um, and then lastly, I would say we have a podcast where we interview CMOs and entrepreneurs and it's called Mind Your Marketing. If you want to check that out, that's a good spot. Or if you want to be on the show, hit me up. You know, it's, it's one of those that. things. Yeah. Love that. Yeah, I can personally recommend the podcast. So, uh, so do go and check it out. Jordan, uh, really appreciate it, mate. All the best for, uh, for the rest of this year to, to you and your team. And uh, mate, hopefully we can uh, get you back on the show sometime in the future. For sure, man. Thanks for having me on. 
So that's it for another episode. Thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. If you love the show, the greatest form of feedback you can give is to leave a review. It helps the show grow. It helps more people find it. And I would really appreciate that. Head over to anthonygmurphy.com where you'll find all the show notes and links for today's episode. And if you just want to stay up to date with me and see what I'm up to, head over to Instagram, anthonygmurphy, and say day. And I will talk to you in the next episode.